Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. And then as soon as we wanted to watch it on that Forgotten Cinema, it goes to A&E, and I gotta pay to rent it. She obliterates his area. He's back up fighting like there's no pain going through there. Lady, you're about five punches to the ball. That too late. guy, there's nothing down yeah. there but dust. That guy needs to be on the floor writhing in pain. Oh man, he reads a lot. He's such a weird <laughs> man. He's so great. He's so much better than everybody. He is, right? Look oh at that review. Oh my god. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. I'm not Mike Field. And you are listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 150 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's up? Not a whole lot. Just trying to rip off a town with a boxing match, make a lot of money, and get out of Dodge. <laughs> but I'm going to use money I borrowed from the mob to make it extra complicated. Right. We're back in the 90s, 1992. We're doing the movie Digstown. Which means no one's can find it. I found it. I told you on Tubi. Yeah, just with ads. I told you there wasn't many ads on Tubi. Well, not yours. But yours also might have been glitching out. <laughs> so, I had to watch like eight ads for Pluto TV, and they were the same ad over and over and over. That sounds like another podcast problem. But right now, we're talking about this now. <laughs> After being released from a Georgia prison, smooth-talking con man Gabriel Kane teams up with his partner in crime, Fitz, and travels to remote Digstown. Upon arriving, Fitz and Kane bet the wealthiest resident, former boxing manager, John Guillaume, that they know a guy who can beat Digstown's 10 best fighters in one day. After Kane reels in Honey Boy Palmer, an aging boxer and old acquaintance, the grift is on. That's all right. Mm. Uh, this is Butler's never seen this film, right? Uh, no, I'd never even heard of this film nice. before you. Uh, it's a classic field. I remember watching this. Digstown is a runtime of 98 minutes. Rated R, production budget of $17 million. Came out on August 14th, 1992. Its opening weekend, it did $1.5 million. Domestic, $4.8. Did not have an international release, so it's worldwide as well. $4.8 as well. Million dollars, that is. A big winner. Well, that's why it's part of the part of the part of the, part of the podcast. That's why we're doing it. <laughs> Production company was Eclectic Films and was distributed by MGM. Came out on the 14th. He went up against in a wide release single white female and stay tuned. Do you remember those? Uh, single white female. I don't know what stay tuned is, though. Uh, that's what John Ritter. Oh, is that about um, he's TV. a screenwriter? Yeah. Yep. No. Oh, okay. That's uh, you think about Delirious yes. with John Candy. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, limited release. You had Johnny Swade and the Living End. Which, fun fact, I watched the Living End like not like a month ago on the Criterion Channel. I don't know what that is either. That's Gregoraki film. It's uh about these two guys that both have HIV. They both one one just learns that he's HIV positive, and the other one has known he is, and they go on a killing spree. It's oh, nice. It's interesting. It's it's really independent. So it's like a really it's an indie film, and it's basically a Rocky kind of. Uh, anti-establishment like you know against how the government you know, there's a huge thing at the end of the thing about how you know the government uh and how they're they're mismanaged or they they turn their backs on the aids epidemic and all that stuff it's it's but it's not for everyone uh, gotcha. most gregor rocky films are not for everyone. <laughs> but i don't mind it uh you know, the august 21st the week after you had a wide release of rapid fire 
Christopher Columbus, The Discovery, which I've never heard of. Uh, I've seen that. <laughs> At home. I'm sorry, I guess. It's, yeah. it's all right. They also had The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag and a limited release of Brief History in Time, which is the, the doc, I believe. Uh, on the 7th uh, of August, the week before, you had a wide release of Unforgiven, which is an awesome film. Mm-hmm. Three Ninjas, Raising Cain, and Whispers in the Dark. Those ones I know. There you go. This movie, The Sound, is directed by Michael Ritchie, who's done The Candidate. Bad News Bears and Fletch. I think he did Fletch Lives as well. Written by Stephen McKay, uh, who did Hard to Kill, Dark Man 2, The Return of Durant, which is a TV film. And he did The Magic of Christmas 2. This movie, Digstown, is based on a book called The Digstown Ringers, uh, written by Leonard Wise. So this is, this is based on a novel. So that if you like that stuff. <laughs> okay. If you like novels. Well, of course. Who doesn't? Cinematography was Jerry Fisher, who's done Running on Empty. A show that we did, a movie that we did in one of our episodes, the movie Highlander and Victory, which we keep saying we want to do. Mm-hmm. Composer was James Newton Howard, which we've talked about him before. Uh, is nominated for a ton of Oscars, hasn't won. Uh, Prince of Tides, The Fugitive, Junior, One Fine Day, to name a few. He, we this man just it. needs to win an Oscar already. You go, go talk, go <laughs> listen to our episode about Michael Clayton. I believe we talk about him in that as well. Edited by Don Zimmerman, who's done Coming Home, who's nominated for an Oscar for Coming Home. Did also did Rocky Three, Liar Liar, and Bill and Ted Face the Music more recently. Produced by Robert Schaeffel, or Schaffel, who's done Jackknife, Pontiac Moon, and Distant Thunder. So we have James Woods as Gabriel Kane. He's done the movie Vampires, which we covered, yes, Butler. Yes, sir. Nominated for two Oscars, one for Ghost of Mississippi and the other for Salvador. And he's also in, more recently, White House Down, which I think was probably his last big film. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr. as Honey Roy Palmer uh, won an Oscar for his role in An Officer and a Gentleman. He's also an Enemy Mine, which I believe we're doing this season or maybe next season. And he's in Jaws 3D. Bruce Dern as John Guillaume, who was nominated for two Oscars, one for Coming Home and Nebraska. Uh, he's also in Silent Running, which is an episode we did, and yep. The Burbs, our very first episode. Yes, sir. So we're completing the Bruce Dern trilogy here. <laughs> uh, Oliver Platt as Fitz, who's in the TV show Chicago Med. He's also in the movie Lake Placid. 2012 and Bicentennial Man. Heather Graham as Emily Forrester from Boogie Nights, Bowfinger, Lost in Space, and the Hangover movies. Well, actually one and two. One and three, excuse me. Uh, Randall Tex Cobb as Wolf Forrester. They are brother and sister, Emily and Wolf. Uh, he is obviously in Raising Arizona, Ace Venture, a pet detective, and The Golden Child. And then Thomas Wilson Brown as Robbie Guillaume. I only have him here because I was watching this movie and I'm like, I think that's the kid from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And it was the kid. Nice. He's also in Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael. And then you have a couple of people in here that might be recognizable. Like, hey, I know who that is. Jim Caviezel has a, is Billy. He plays his friend. Okay. Uh, He obviously, you know, from Frequency and the Passion of the Christ. Marshall Bell, who plays the warden, is uh, is Quato in Total Recall. (laughs) Uh, Wilhelm von Holmberg, who plays Charles Megan Diggs, is in the movie In the Mouth of Madness, which we did last season for Forgotten Horror. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I knew he, I knew who the character looked like, the make him Dick's character looked like. But when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, he looks really familiar. I think we, like, I was like, I've seen him in something. He's like also that. Vigo in Ghostbusters right. too. There you go. There's another one. See? It's like, so that's the first thing when I saw him, I was like, it's Vigo. He gets around. But I have to say it like that. Like the, uh, the guy who he hypnotizes. <laughs> you had Michael DiLorenzo as Paolo. Uh, he's in the movie Alive and A Few Good Men. And then Benny Urquidez as the referee. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, I know this referee from something. And I don't know where I know this referee from. He, like, do you, did he look familiar to you? No. Okay, so he is the hitman who uh, gets blown up at the convenience store in Gross Point Blank. Oh, really? Fight, yeah, the burrito fight. He's also a kickboxing world champion, which is probably why he was in this. But uh, I couldn't, like, I'm watching it going, I know this guy. Why do I know this guy? <laughs> so anyway. He gets a nice uh, punch to the face. He does. Boy, he gets yeah. clocked. I love it. 
I love it. So Butler's <laughs> never seen this film. I have. I really like this film. Uh, it's not perfect, it's, but it, you know, <laughs> I think like the last forty minutes of the movie when it gets into the fights and all that stuff. But I think that really just kind of like picks up. Um, when I first watched this film, the big thing that I liked about this film was the con, you know, because I was completely fooled about stuff, and uh, you know, I, you know, because I think ninety two, it's probably like I'm I'm seventeen, so I wasn't like really haven't seen a lot of these films, right? So I'm sure you have seen this at a, uh, you've seen films like this. So I'm sure maybe you saw things ahead of time. As you watch it now, when I didn't back then, so I'm curious. But I am curious what you thought about the film. I mean, at least your first first thoughts. <sighs> no, I'm just kidding. I liked it. I mean, I like James Woods, especially like '90s James Woods. He's really cocky. And he just spouts one-liners. He's super sarcastic. I've always liked that. I really liked Lewis Gossett Jr. in this film as well. I you, you meet him a little later in the movie because they they do take their time to set up the con, and that is a little bit kind of like all right, let's go. But I was surprised that the last almost hour of the movie is the fight. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. They do not gloss over the fight as like one big Rocky montage. They get I right to they it. Would. They get to it. It takes its time. Every little challenger is its own little like mini story, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And I like that, you know, you think that when Roy shows up, cause he shows up so late in the story. Yeah. I thought they were just going to gloss over Roy. Like Roy wasn't going to be a huge part of it. He was just going to be a means to an end. And he really does become almost one of the main, like, Second billing to James Woods, pretty much in terms of uh, he's on all the posters and stuff. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, it's definitely. I mean, he's on the it's posters because he's a big name. Yeah, he's absolutely huge. But it's definitely like a. It almost turns into like a buddy. Yeah, movie. It's like a yeah. buddy crime kind of thing. Yeah. Like they're in on it more than even James uh, James Woods, Gabriel and Fitz were. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that about the film. Mm-hmm. Now it's also not perfect because there's a lot of stuff they gloss over. Sure, a lot of stuff that just doesn't. Some stakes are too low. Some stakes end up being way too high. In what regard? In terms of like Wolf and his whole thing and um, Slim gets hanged. And like, that's just like, that's really intense compared to a lot of the uh, the rest of the crime that's going on. Uh, uh, It gets, it gets like, there's like people getting killed. Right. It's not like it's, it doesn't, it's not a PG-13 film, which I kind of. I kind of like, like I don't, because you know what well, I mean? Like grifters. the stakes are high. The stakes are high. Right. They're criminals. He runs the town. Like Bruce Stern's character, John Guillaume, runs the town. Because oh, so he's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah, absolutely. I just thought like, all right, so now you're killing somebody. You're basically killing himself. Right. So now this, the stakes are high, but I feel like I was already okay with where the stakes were. Right. So I didn't find that necessarily like the threatening maybe, but I didn't find the actual murder necessary. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the prison warden who just randomly shows up at the end, but <laughs> he's clearly the guy. He's clearly the, also the guy who kills slim. Yeah. They don't that whole, well, not that's even, gotta be a deleted scene. Oh, somewhere. you think that he's the guy with the gun? It's the same gun. It's uh, the same suit. And it's the same watch. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that moment, but that makes sense. Uh, also. Yeah. I didn't understand the whole stuff with like how Wolf was killed because he knew something that he, he knew. The secret. Which, oh, I guess Wolf was never coming back alive. Once right. Wolf's prison sentence was done, he was going to be killed on his way home. But that's the thing. Also, you know, he told Gabe that he told Gabriel that how Guillaume got the how he drugged the make him digs in his last fight. He bet everybody. He bet against them. He won. The, he won the he town. Won he the that's, that's how he owns broke. the town. Yes. So that secret, I didn't I didn't really think that. That secret was, oh, he doesn't want anyone to know. No one, I didn't really put two and two together about Wolf needed to die. Do you right. know what I mean? So I, I, that even back then, even now, I was just like, oh, wait, why is he? Die? Oh, okay. The, so, cause then he says the secret to Emily, 
He tells right. her. He tells her. Yeah. Yeah. And, it was and then Wolf you was supposed to tell right. you so that you would join us and help mm-hmm. us out. Mm-hmm. But now he's dead. You want to still help us out. Right. But that begs the question, what's Gabriel's play here? Is his play was to always take the town back or just to steal money? I think his play was to steal money from Gil- Gion. But that, you know, it was kind of a noble thing, but he was doing it for ignoble reasons, obviously. Right. So it was like, you're really my friend. He's like, eh, I just really want a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But when it became apparent that, you know, he's beating up his friends, uh, he's already killed Wolf. You know, it's like, all right, screw this guy. Let's take him for all he's worth. I don't care if I die. So he asked, um, was it Vinny for even more money? Oh, um, yeah. His backer. His backer for 1.5. Yeah, you just kill me right now. Miami, I'm right yeah. here. Let's just kill me. I want 1.5 million. Right. So I think it becomes more about more than money later on. But I think at first it's just, it's a score. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sure, he's going to help defeat a douchebag in the process, but he's helping Wolf out because he's going to make something out of it. Right. Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of moments in this movie that, when I first watched it, it made me laugh. It still makes me laugh now. Um, there were a lot of moments that like I really liked in this film, just because like so the moment one of the things when he when they're negotiating, uh, you know when he says, uh, Digstown is in Oliver County. Anyone in Oliver County is a Digstown man. Yep. And then he puts the bottle over, throws the bottle, not throws it, but slides, slides the, the, the liquor bottle, bottle. Southern Comfort. Yeah. To which he's drinking straight so they comfortable. <laughs> they're, they're, they're tough men. The, when he slides the bottle to Gabriel and Gabriel flicks the cap off and spins it off, I've always wanted to open bottles like that. When I saw that, I was like, oh, I want to open like that. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he's like, and a day is 24 hours. Like that, like that moment, right. I always remembered that moment. Uh, I always remember the line when he fights Hammerhead and he's like, I thought you were dead. And he's like, damn, you look bad. Now how this feel? I love that moment. I don't know why I love it. Cause I'm just like, Oh, that's a perfect line. <laughs> oh, you'd be dead already. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love the fight. I love the boxing stuff. There, there's a lot of stuff in the film that again, when I watched this when I was younger, the whole twist and all that stuff really took me by surprise. You never kind of con man, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. You know. What's it? A hustler. You know, never, and a con man you never is, hustle hustler yeah hustle has to has to leave town as soon as uh, the hustle's over right a con man doesn't have to because no one's in on this kind yeah of- con leave whenever he wants yep. yeah absolutely um yeah so that's why I, I love the line where he goes don't hustle a hustler it's like you know he's gonna get his come up come up because like at that point you already know the con man is better than the hustler mm-hmm. yeah and it's a and it's a perfect one because it's like he fixed it blows the was oh, i love that that is such a great <laughs> scene at the end i was like when he's fixing something, I'm like, why the hell is he fixing? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Manosa. Torres, whatever. Yeah. That's such a good player to the end. Yeah. Cause, cause it's funny because he beat, he, he beats Hammerhead and you're like, oh, that, that's the last guy. And, you know, he, you know, Honeywell Palmer overcomes and then he's got to fight one more. And you're just like, that's like, that's the only way to end the film. Like, you know what I mean? Not to fight him again. And yeah. Cause story wise, character arc wise, he's, he's won his character arc. Right. So there's right. no one else for him to, Emotionally, so now the full con has to come has to come to an end. Yeah, yeah. Although I was expecting that because I knew that was his play with his son. I was like, all right, so who's who's going to fight in place of his son? Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) The line when his son gets the car, then his son loses the car like an idiot. (laughs) But before that, when they see the truck out front, his buddy's like, "I give my dick for a truck like that." It's like, really? Like I I thought the same thing. Why would you ever say that? Does that make sense? And that, but then, like you know, his the Robbie's like, what would be the point of that? Then he wouldn't be able, to, you know, yeah, what's the point of having the truck? It's like, it's like, <laughs> like, do you, like, you like want, you almost have the line to be like Robbie turning, like, do you ever think when you talk? Like, do you ever think about what you say? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> 
I like the line uh, when he's fighting Robbie's friend with all the headgear, Jim Caviezel's character. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, all that headgear is like fighting Darth Vader or some shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also like, remember, you know, yes, he's younger than you. Yes, he's stronger than you. Yes, he has 100 yeah. pounds on you. Yes, he hasn't gone 22 rounds. But you're black. Yeah. What? I don't know. I'm just trying to cheer you up. It's like, like, yeah, your shit at uh, yeah, motivation. motivation. Yeah. So there's a deleted scene in the trailer um, that wasn't in the movie that I, I uh, that. So there's a point in the movie where I think the next when he fights Hammerhead and I think they're, they're in the corner and uh, Honeyboy Palmer turns to uh, Gabriel and he says, he seems awfully mad. Did you tell him he was black? <laughs> but that's in the trailer, but they didn't put it. It's not in the movie. Yeah. And there's another moment that's in the trailer that's not in the movie. So, uh, but yeah, I always remember, I, and I always remember that line from the trailer. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was in the film. I'm sure they did so much improv with James Woods that, you know, oh, some maybe. stuff made the cut, some plus some stuff didn't. They did. They definitely hit uh, Woods and uh, Gossett Jr. have uh, great back and forth. Yes. Uh, that whole that whole thing when he goes to get Honey Roy Palmer to come to Digstown and he doesn't uh, no business and they don't talk. And yeah. then like. Palmer shows up at the uh, hotel room, hotel room and, he's just, and he's just yelling at him. He's like, I can't believe you got yourself into that money because he made some calls. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Don't expect me to save your ass. Yeah. Pick me up at eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great time. Yeah. When he gets out of bed, his wife's like, who are you, who, who are you calling this out? People who are up at this hour. <laughs> and he just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he, oh, made no, the, he calls yeah. Vinny. To get, he, I think he Vinny. made all the phone calls to the people. He knows the same people that I think he calls with. Fitz and Fitz tells him what the score is. Yeah. Because yeah. Fitz is mad that at Gabe because Gabe never said never asked Roy to begin with so right starting the grift but also at the beginning so Fitz gets super drunk well he or takes, doesn't get drunk no he gets so he, he takes pills he to takes not pills to not get inebriated but he doesn't he does it doesn't stop the hangover. the hangover yeah do those pills exist yeah I believe they do really yeah weird seven pitchers of beer yeah <laughs> Which and I like Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt's always I always find Oliver Platt good in anything. He's oh in. no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's the thing too. Like yeah. I think a lot of people in this film are are solid, like James Woods, Oliver Platt, Louis Gossett Jr. Like they are accomplished people who are good at what they do. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if you had somebody in in this this movie could easily have been played by some actors that are less than, mm-hmm. and it, I think the stuff we probably would have noticed a lot more. You know what I mean? I think sure, it's well yeah. written. I definitely think it's well written. The dialogue is definitely well written, yeah. Especially like with cons and with movies that you need to kind of hide what's happening. I think it's done well. Yeah, you don't get that the reveal moments like a heist movie or other con movies, mm-hmm. which I think I talked about this in one of the other ones we did. That I'm always just reminded of the Rick and Morty episode now, where they poke fun at all that. Oh, so they're on I'm the like, train. Yeah. So now I'm like, no, the one where he gets uh, out conned and they have to keep making different. Oh, crews right, 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 right. Robot. So now I'm like super conscious of that. And I'm like, that is very cliche. Oh mm-hmm. my God. But this movie doesn't, while it is about cons and griffs, it doesn't play that. And now here's the reveal. And then they have to flash back mm-hmm. to him hiring and getting, it just, uh, it yeah. just happens. Yes. And you're just like, I can see how that happened. Or yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, the one we talked about Wolf's death a little bit. And I want to go back to that because the one thing I thought is that they really brushed over Wolf's death. Oh, sure. Fast. Now, I think that in the long run that helps because we want to get to the fight. Yeah. And we, once we get to the fight where we don't, we as an audience don't care because now we're involved. It's like 50, 50 buildup. And then the, the other right. second half is the fight. Right. And one of the things I always wondered was, you know, they show up, Gabriel shows up and he pretends he doesn't know fits. And then they're, then they're in the league together. You know, 
then he makes a show the fact that he knows Emily Forrester, you know, who's Wolf's sister. Uh, at some point in the movie, it's like it it really they really weren't hiding the fact that, you know, it's almost like he knew that Guillaume knew he was conning him. He was trying to con. Yeah, him. and I like that because yeah. they didn't have that, oh my God, you know. It's just he knows and then obviously Gabe knows about Guillaume. So and Guillaume it's is, fine. is so egotistical that he thinks he's going to beat him anyways. Yeah, at that point, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. So why right. do we care? Don't make a big deal out of it. Right, right. He thinks he's got somebody in here. He's going to get one over on him, which I, which I, you know, I, I think I like that. It didn't really voice it. They don't really say it out well, loud. I feel like the cards are all on the table when he goes into after he gets almost hung. Right. And he's just like, let's get this son of a bitch. He goes in and tells Vinny, you know, 1.5 million, you can kill me afterward. He's just like, all his trips are on the table. Right. You know, that's where my money's coming from. He doesn't even hide that his money isn't his at that point. Do you think, uh, obviously his plan was to get him, get as much money as he could from Guillaume. Do you think his plan was always to, because he's almost like stringing along the guys from Miami. Mar Marconi? No. Yeah, I mean, I'm calling him Vinny, but I don't even remember if it was Vinny. Um, not Marconi. It's Victor. Vic it's Victor. It, it, not Marconi. Marconi's from friggin' Batman. Corsini. They're the Corsini. Corsini. Yeah. He's always trying to get Corsini to. He, it's almost like he's trying to play the role of somebody who isn't in control. I don't, see. I don't know. At some point, is Corsini in on it, or does he have so much faith in Gabriel that he's just going to go along? He knows that he's got a plan. I think it's that. Yeah. Because like obviously he likes Gabe. Yeah. I don't want to have to kill you. I don't like killing my friends, but obviously he's been successful in the past. Yeah, that James Woods can Gabriel can just go into his house and start talking to him like that, yeah, and, and which the, is obviously why yeah. his little brother doesn't appreciate that. Well, the Paolo stuff, I think that stuff is just there to have somebody who can threaten to kill uh, oh, Gabriel. Oh, the stakes That's for Gabe, which That's we don't all really, that, yeah. we don't really need that. He, yeah, exactly. I think you don't need somebody who. It's almost like Corsini's like it almost like just have it come from him and be like, you know, I have to do this. You yeah. know, I have to. If you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. Right. Because we've that, already this comes right after Slim already died. So we already know the stakes are high. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Do you like the Confederate flag in the uh, in the bar? I didn't even notice that. I mean, yeah, that's it's, just, it's Georgia. I mean, that's going to happen. I, just, yeah. that, I mean, that's still there. So like and, and the fact that he <laughs> When um one of the guys he's fighting, he, he tells him, just, you know. Oh, he calls me N-word? Yeah, he calls me N-word. Then he just spanks him. That's, and he oh, he, he got punches him. Yeah, he got punches him. And, and then he just spanks him. him. And, and I think that, which was funny, but I think that was before the moment when they know that the next guy up is the one that they've been giving the juice to, the water to that oh, spiked. Yep. And he's like, he's like farting and stuff like that. He's obviously going to crap his pants. You think that's what we till the next <laughs> but the, But the fact that they're laughing like I, I, for some reason, I just think the laughter in the corner is, I don't know if it's genuine. It just felt genuine. Cause I was laughing. <laughs> I was just like, you know, when they knew that what was coming next. Yeah. <laughs> just give me more water. <laughs> He's like, yeah, drink it up. Oh yeah. Get, feed him from that bottle. <laughs> the other thing I wondered is anyone in this town, not at the boxing match, like, is everyone there? I think pretty much everyone's there because I think you get from the start that it's a boxing town. Like oh, boxing yeah. is what they love. Yeah. Which I think is a really weird thing. Like usually it's a team sport like baseball or basketball or football. It's usually not like single person, you know, mm -hmm. boxing matches. Do you think this film would play well today, would do well? I th do you think that not, not in terms of content or anything like that, but in terms of what they're trying to do, the con. Do you think that 
Do you think audiences 30 years removed, 40 years removed, wow, 40 years removed from this, right? 30, 30 years, years. Thank removed. God. We're not that old yet. 30 <laughs> years removed from this film are more intelligent about movies that they wouldn't really react to it the way. I mean, you, you had never seen it. I had never seen it. I still liked it, but I'm also more into movies. Sure. I think a modern audience has seen so many grifter and con man movies at this point. They'd have to change it up a little bit, mm-hmm. but you could still keep the basic story, the basic premise. I think, um, you maybe have to make it a little bit more like throw in more comedy. Mm-hmm. Maybe expand some of it in terms of like the wolf stuff. Like I said, like we said, the glossed over wolf's death and stuff like that. You might have to go a little bit more into it. They probably would dive a little deeper into that. Let's be honest. If they remade this, they would just make it as a series and it would be terrible. Not like the series on CBC, Digstown, that we were talking about before. So there's a show called Digstown on a Canadian show on the Canadian Canadian CBC. broadcasting channel. Yep. And it's called Digstown, but it's about a lawyer, lawyer Marcy Diggs. I just think that's weird that they keep the same title. Like they didn't know there was already well, a movie called third, that. That's a book 30 years that? ago. I mean, look, please, we still call the, I think they've called the Fast and Furious the same title for like four movies. <laughs> but that's still I, the same series. I mean, they called Scream 5 Scream. I mean, it's like, you know, so this isn't the same series. This doesn't take place in the same universe. Oh, wait. Does it? Does it? (laughs) Uh, One of the things that a couple of things I like about in this movie is that um, they don't do the romantic entanglement of Emily and uh, Gabriel. Yes. There's a moment there that almost like when he's in the bathroom and he like thinks about like how they had a moment before the fight. Sure. And it's almost like he he has it in his head that like, no, that's not, that's not a problem. I'm not doing that. I, I like that. They didn't do anything romantic yes. there. Now I know off screen they did, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently they did because, uh, uh, during this film. And she, uh, Heather was 21 when she did this movie and uh, James Woods was 44. So, yep. And he looked older than me and I'm older than him now. Yep. That's hard living. Hard we talk living. about that in vampire too. The same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's older. Yeah. Uh, I do. I also love, I love. I like that it just ends. Like yes, it, I was gonna. It, you know that. what I mean? Yeah. Like it just ends. There's now no, you motivate me. They get up and they walk away. There's and, no aftermath. Yeah, and that's it. Boom. But what I love in the ending is I love when uh, Dern gets punched because it's the the fear in his eyes is the fear in anyone's eyes when you know you're gonna get punched and it's gonna hurt and you can't stop it. And that's when he tries to hit his son again for the second time and uh, Palmer grabs him and he's like, "Hey, big man," or he's like, "Hey, hey brother, brother, my my." Uh, my 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 fist hurt. You mind taking this? And it's the brother of the kid, the guy that they killed, that they hang. And he just, it's like, it's like such a punch. It's like you know what's coming, and you're just oh, like, yeah. oh. <laughs> and you and you want it to happen, and you're like, yeah, you know. But yeah, no, I I love that moment when he gets punched because it's just the just the the dread in his eyes. And Bruce Dern does a good job of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Bruce Dern is awesome. Oh he, of course he is. We 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 we're big Bruce Dern fans. Is there anything that maybe hardcore? You're like, eh, that doesn't work for me. It took, took me out of it. The Vigo stuff was a little kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, just having him there. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. Why is he such motivation? Roy, I, I just don't understand that part of it, really. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I like the scene where he talks to Vigo. Like, uh, Vigo. <laughs> I, I like the scene where he's talking to Dig uh, at, at his house. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Dig's unresponsive because he's been blasted with all that chemical stuff in his brain. <laughs> Anal nitrates? Yeah. Uh, blasted. Well, because it's nasal spray, so it's like yeah, right up yeah. to his brain immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like I, I just, I didn't like it. I didn't need it. You didn't need the dig stuff. 
if Dig wasn't quite as potatoey as maybe he was, like like just completely out there, and he moves gone, his finger at the end. <laughs> I just, I was like, I, I was okay without that stuff. I was okay with you never really seeing Dig. Like we said, the wolf stuff doesn't really work very well because he just like kind of dies. Did, did you like the the so doctored photo when they show the picture oh, of the him and his sister? sister. And oh I'm like, my oh god! Oh my god! Who did this? <laughs> Someone who should be fired from the prop team. <laughs> Or the fact that the warden fires a gun in the middle of his office. Now we're not worried about a ricochet. I don't like the warden stuff at all. Yeah. I don't know if I like the prison stuff. I don't know if I like him breaking people out of prison. It's just like, that's a lot. Yeah. So I was like, all right. So this guy breaks people out of prison. Like he's that good. See, I think you once the movie is so short that also, and it, it it's an hour, it's 98 minutes. It is a nice runtime. It's a nice runtime. But also once you get to like, you talked about the last half of the movie and the fight makes it feel quicker. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. all that stuff makes it feel faster. Now stuff's happening. Boom, right. boom, boom, boom. Right. Even even when they have to break because of the death, they don't stay long in that break. They get right back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's only what three hours, even though it seems like it's forever. Supposedly. They had no, he had five more hours to go or something like that, right? Okay. Yeah. Maybe. And then he beats the first guy like real quick <laughs> when he comes back from the break. There's not a lot of facts in this film. So a lot of this stuff is just our viewing notes. I do know that this movie was called something else in Australia to capitalize on the sting. They called it Midnight Sting, which is awful, which is an awful title. I don't know. But but anyways, mm-hmm. uh, I knew I do have that Leonard Malton complaint that the script is too is contrived, which I mean, I, I OK, I'm not tell, I'm not saying you're telling you that uh, the script is like, you know, top 10 of the year. But I think it does succeed in some moments enough where. Um, Maybe the contrivances that maybe we didn't have a problem with uh, is because of that, because we were into the other stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. It's contrived. I mean, now all of a sudden you bring in the prisoner guy at the end. Oh, that's a yeah. ton of just contrivances. Well, isn't but- isn't a con artist film uh, a whole contrivance in and of itself? That's also true. Yeah, yeah. You know, like so if you don't buy the con, if you don't buy what's happening, maybe then maybe, you know, say, oh, well, it's contrived. Well, that's that's an easy that's an easy note to make if you don't like. The film. I don't know if you can make a con man movie that doesn't have contrivances. Right. I just right. don't think you can. Well, I think it's how you tell the story and how the dialogue and characters. Are. Right. And maybe it didn't work for mom. Yeah. It sure. runs on characters. Why do you think maybe this is uh, forgotten? I think that. A, I think we talked about this in the vampire episode. James Woods doesn't help the fact that it's that he's in it. He's anymore. 75 years old now and he's, he's just he's gonna say he's whatever older, he wants. He keeps saying what he wants, which yeah. doesn't help. The fact whatever. that he's 75 doesn't help. He's just an older star. Louis Gossett Jr. is also an older star. But but I will say this though, in terms of because there's all there are older stars that are revered. So you do go back oh, to those sure. stuff. Woods is probably not revered simply because of his public persona. Um that being said, he's He's a decent, he's a very decent actor in a lot of stuff. Like Mike talked about how, you know, you love, he's cocksure in this film. He plays it well. 90s James Wood, super cocky and sarcastic. I I like that. Plays it really well. Um, Louis Gossett Jr., I think, is uh, the fact that he's 86 now, or he's he's in his 80s, in mid-80s. Sure. I, I, I think that that's just a natural progression of an actor aging out. Like people, I think people have forgotten about Louis Gossett Jr. He's not, you know, he's not in a lot. I know he was in the High Flying Bird movie that was on Netflix last year, the year before. Okay, but uh, and he's in stuff, but they're smaller films. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously because he's an older person right now, but like he's an Oscar award winner, and he's in some, and he's a solid, solid actor. 
I know, like I said, we're doing Enemy Mine, and he's really good in Enemy Mine. Sure. Uh, even though he's behind makeup. He's got 12 <laughs> projects still up and coming. Well, they all do. So Spielberg still has like 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, in, in, to your point about how you know, these are older actors now, I think in Wood's case, it's more of his public persona. But in Gossett Jr.'s case, I think it's just about he's an older actor now, and people just kind of, I think, just you don't out of say out of mind, maybe because he wasn't in an MCU film. <laughs> but but go ahead. What else? What else would you think? I think it's also a film that didn't make a lot of money back when it was released at, at first. Mm-hmm. Um, probably didn't get good word of mouth. Probably uh, would imagine it's a con artist film, but it's also a boxing film. I think it's genre confuses it a little bit. And and you know, are you going to be? Oh, come watch it. It's a great boxing film. It's not really a boxing film. Or come watch this. It's a con artist film. But the last half is a huge boxing match going on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about the boxing. In a, in, in a way I think that's tough it's not a comedy it's not a drama it just is a it is a a con artist movie mm-hmm. and I think that kind of hurts it in terms of like placing it you know I know IMDB has it listed as a drama and a sports movie but it's not a sports movie not mm-hmm. a sports movie at all and I think all those things kind of combined just hurt hurt it and uh, it's older it's early 90s it's tough to find I'm sure Pluto only got it because it's and two because it's super cheap <laughs> to get the rights for it. I'm sure, but it's a it it's also I don't think it's a summer film. I, I don't think it the no. August release date is probably no is not. I don't think that was a good release. I think it's probably like a spring or maybe even like a fall film. Yep, I um, agree. Like a film that is out is solid. You know, it's cold out. There's really not much to do. Let's go to a movie that it'll pick up business that way. I think it also didn't help that it went up against Single White Female, which was a big hit. Yeah. So, and that was like, that, that basically made the careers for a lot of people in the movie. And that, I don't know if that came out of nowhere, but I think that probably didn't help. Let everyone was seeing single white female and not Digstown. So that probably didn't help. It's, it's kind of like killing it. Yeah. Well, it didn't help. It's like longevity in the, in, in the theatrical run or, you know, when later on. So people getting to it later. Yeah. Plus you also had the week before again, you had Unforgiven and Unforgiven was a huge hit. So, you know, Unforgiven probably carried over as well. So I just don't think it, I think it just came out at a tough time and it's not, listen, it's almost, uh, I'm fully admit and freely admit that it's a fun movie. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fun film to watch. It's a good film, but like, I can't sit here and tell you like, like I can't gush over this film, like a movie like Michael Clayton, which I think is phenomenal. Right. It's not like that, but it's fun. And it's a and it's a movie that I enjoy and I still enjoy watching. Sure, yeah. And you know, with some of these movies are just destined not to make a lot of money and not to do be successful. But when people, everyone I've talked to that has seen it has liked it. I've never had somebody be like, "Ugh, Jigsaw. right." Ugh. It's just a. It's I think it it tells the story well and it does a good job. And I think it's definitely a movie that people should revisit and, and check out. And if you can find it, it's on Tubi <laughs> and Pluto. <laughs> so so yeah. So I mean. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of liked it. I'm glad that you you dug it. Yeah, um, it was absolutely a fun movie. Yeah. Sweet. Good right. time. Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and videos we have for you. And uh, wherever you're listening to this, uh, we're available on all podcast platforms like we talked to you about before. So while you're listening right now, give us a like, a rating, uh, maybe review us, subscribe. All that kind of good stuff helps us. And uh, we're on the social medias. Join us on Facebook's Forgotten Cinemas The Lobby. Where we talk about films. Have you seen Digstown? Will you watch Digstown? Uh, what do you think about Digstown? And uh, yeah, that's what I got. 
Join us next week when Pat Whalen from yet another MCU podcast returns to guest to do the MCU film Wind River. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's not an MCU film. It just has MCU people in it. Starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. I forgot her name. So Elizabeth Olsen's in that. Were you about to say Elizabeth Holmes? I was. <laughs> I was. Just because I love that podcast. <laughs> so that's next week. Wind River. Are you looking forward? You've seen this movie. I love you? this movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. So it's just going to be a love fest. That's Fantastic. right. Fantastic. Exciting. Exciting podcast material right there. Until then, everyone have a great week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Attention, Nerdy Nights. Join Flo, Anders, and me, Colleen, at the Well-Rounded Table for Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. From that Star Wars galaxy far, far away to Outlander Scottish Highlands, we consume it all. Listen along with us each week as we explore the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.